and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we are joined by Paul Cortman of Connex Digital Marketing. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We are very excited to have you. You have a great story. And so, Paul, I know you do a lot on digital marketing and SEO. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your company? Give some context for our listeners. Sure. So uh, about 12 years ago, I was working as an IT uh, director for a marketing firm, a traditional marketing firm. And um, I saw what they were doing in the world of SEO. And I was, I don't know, I'm a self-taught guy. So I was telling, and I have a big mouth, and I was telling them, hey, you're doing this wrong. And they said, fine, why don't you do it yourself? And so I ended up you know, building a department within the agency and, um, and hired to replace myself and started running a four-person uh, digital marketing department uh, within the agency. And then uh, one day woke up and just realized I could do this differently. Uh, and so I started my own company where I didn't have to work 70 hours a week and I didn't have to have a 10-hour commute every week. And uh, yeah, that company just wasn't into telemarketing or telecommuting, I should say. And uh, and so then I was, you know, out on my own and it's been seven years. We've had a lot of success, but I noticed that we weren't having as much success for our clients as I wanted, as I feel comfortable with. And so then over the last year, we've been able to reconfigure our company into a productized service, which is much different than we're a marketing agency and we'll do anything as long as the price is right. And um, so that's been a fun transition. Our two products that we offer, one is in uh, SEO and the other is in uh, PPC or online advertising. So it's all about bringing traffic to your website so that you can convert those into clients or customers. Well, that's interesting. All right. So you started off, you're in IT. And much like other IT people we may have come across in our careers, you knew it all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do. I I was, I I do have one thing. Like, I know that to be an IT professional, your first answer must always be no. And uh, (laughs) you have to have a lot of weird quirks about you. So, like, we'll we'll get that out straight. You know, I was a certified pocket protecting, pocket (laughs) protecting wearing nerd. But... The the thing that one of my other skill sets is just having having the ability to talk with people and having a good rapport with people. So unlike a lot of IT nerds, you know, I was able to cross that uh, human barrier and be able to make good connections. And that's why I think I, you know, ultimately moved into marketing because uh, I cared about what was happening for the people on the other end, a.k.a. the client. And when you talk about that sort of you just told them that they uh, that they weren't doing it right, what, what, what sort of instinctively said to you, look, this isn't how you should approach SEO. There's a different philosophy. Oh, we want to get into that, huh? Okay, so they were building $80,000 websites. And this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago, right? Uh, $80,000 websites, and they were putting – you know, one of the, in a line item in their quote was for SEO optimization. And I, you know, I kind of pushed them on that and I said, I don't know how I got roped into one of these, but there was some IT, you know, high nerdy company. And so they (laughs) roped me in on the, on the proposal. And I was like, 
what are you guys doing for SEO optimization? And they were explaining it to me and it was basically nothing. Like we have a proprietary CMS, a proprietary content management system that is, you know, spits out clean semantic code. And I was like, even I know that's not enough and you shouldn't be charging as much as you're charging for that because you're not doing anything for this. And an $80,000 website, you shouldn't be like, here's your website. Uh, yeah, good luck at ranking. And so that Hope was my, that was my big, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, it's not if you build it, they will come. It hasn't ever been that way, but like, seriously, you have to do a lot of effort. So you can't claim that you're doing anything in SEO if all you're doing is spitting out, you know, validated code. And, um, and so they, they had a little bit of a lesson to learn on that. And, uh, and it was quick for them to realize that, wow, SEO is bigger and there's an opportunity here, and Paul knows what he's talking about. So it kind of worked. So and then you, you had a great opportunity to build your own team there, right? And then, as you said, sort of the lifestyle wasn't what you were looking for, that you could do more for, for less for your clients and with more freedom if you went on your own. So when you went on your own, how did your philosophy, what was your kind of core client philosophy there? What were you bringing to your clients to help them in this area? Well... I don't know if I can say, you know, inappropriate words on uh, on your podcast, but I was basically whoring my time. So, so like, if any, if the money was right, I would do the job as long as it was somewhere in digital marketing. So, like, I was making spreadsheets for one client. I was handling three hundred one redirects for another client, which is an SEO strategy or tactic, I should say. I was handling high level. Uh, email marketing strategy for a large national nonprofit, just like just kind of all over the place doing all kinds of things from donation action to e-commerce sales to B2B sales and marketing automation and just like all this stuff because I didn't have a clear product that would fit with my audience. I know you guys talk a lot about essentially product market fit Mm -hmm. and I didn't have that. What I had was a really good network of people who knew me as a problem solver in digital marketing. And so I could fix whatever was broken or I could increase traffic or increase sales or whatever. And so like I was able to do some things here and there, but on the whole, like I never really got a whole lot of really good traction because it was yeah, I could do some things here and maybe it worked and then I'd work myself out of a job at that client or it didn't work at all and, you know, I'd work myself out of a job at that client. So, you know, like there was just, I I just kept spreading myself too thin and it wasn't until like a last year, uh, a little bit before last year that I realized um, I finally had a product that would work and that would fit for most of my current clientele, but also for future clients. And, and it actually produced good value. Like that's the key. A lot of people will talk like you can hire a social media expert or whatever, and they're talking about how much value they produce and that sort of thing. And I, I used to do social media for our clients. In fact, my business used to be called Connect Social, but we did so much SEO that we just changed it into Connects Digital Marketing because it was, you know, like, Social media doesn't move the needle for 90% of the businesses out there. It does help. You do need to do it. But 
I just don't feel like it's worth investing a lot of money into. And so then I was looking at, well, what really is going to benefit my clients? And uh, that's when we came up with uh, the skyscraper technique that's just been working really well for everybody we put it on. That's, I mean, it's really interesting too, because I think for our audience, there's lots of things that they can relate to. I think all of us want better traffic, right? I mean, that's just a go. But I think that move from sort of um, one-off custom solutions, whether it's developing custom code for each client or in your case, you know, sort of doing custom projects for each is a place that a lot of people get to and, and you're sort of chasing the next contract and the next revenue. But when you can step back like you did and be able to find the common theme, the common problem with your market and a, and a more productized, repeatable solution, it's when you can really both scale your business and start to really see the value because you're fine tuning one piece and that benefit is seen throughout. Yeah. I mean, for example, like there's a process. So we're optimized for 40 clients a month and, you know, we're just a team of five people. So five people working on 40 different projects every month, like that seems outrageous, but that's what we've been because we're working a system, because we're working a process, we can do that and save a lot of money for our clients, uh, you know, and, and yet produce really valuable results. And so just this week, um, I was digging into a process. Well, we've been acknowledging that there's a process in our process that could be optimized. And, uh, and so we were looking into it, looking into it. And this week I stumbled upon a developer who could help us. And, uh, it cost me $40, which isn't oh, wow. a lot of money at all, right? Right. And um, I love using things like Fiverr to solve problems like this because it's a, it's a tiny problem. I just need to take these 10 CSV files, run them through this process, and output them into three CSV files. Done. Like, super straightforward. And we do it by hand right now. And it takes probably 10, 15 minutes per project. Well, if you multiply that by 40 across a month and then you multiply that across a year and you can see, wow, we can really save a lot of time. But by the way, it only cost me 40 bucks in a day of my time. Not that big of a deal. Um, and so it's times like that when I realized that when I was doing all the custom work, when we were, you know, custom solutions is definitely the right word to describe what we were doing. I couldn't optimize school involved me and you know and our strategy people and it wasn't like we could just say okay got a new one in go take care of it um you know we definitely i had to be in on everything and so you know as the founder as the ceo as the chief bottle washer i mean i had to do everything it didn't matter how many staff i had i still had to be involved because everything was new and now it's just much more laid back in the sense of my clients are happy Every week, I keep hearing from them, this is great, this is fantastic. If there is a problem, it takes me five to ten minutes to solve it. And, you know, our staff, every morning they wake up, they know what they have to do, they get it done, and they're done for the day. So, like, we even have really cool benefits because it's not like you have to punch a clock for our staff. It's, here's your to-do list. And once it's done, go surf. We don't care. And so it's, it's a really cool environment to be in. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about your clients. When your clients reach out to you, what problem are they having? Most often our clients have existing sales or existing leads 
that they're having on their website. Um, you know, there are other opportunities for conversion optimization and, and that sort of thing. But what they're looking for is we want to have more traffic. We know that if we bring in 100 people, we'll get X number of sales, or if we bring in 100 people, we'll get X number of leads. And so they're basically coming to me as a traffic source. And, uh, and I say, okay, well, let's look at your search engine optimization. And they're you know, at a certain level. And uh, so what we do with the skyscraper technique is that we can, or it takes, to be fully honest, like PPC, so online advertising, if you look at it compared to SEO and you, com and you use an illustration from investing, you have your short-term investments and you have your long-term investments, something where you put money away into, you're not going to get a return on it for 30 years or something like that. And then you have your short-term investments where, you know, maybe you're penny stock trading or whatever, and you're going to make a thousand dollars tomorrow. Okay. Totally different things. Very true in the digital traffic acquisition world where we're talking PPC that you can start up a campaign tomorrow, spend 500 bucks and get a return of, you know, anywhere from 500 to 5,000 or zero if you really screw up. Uh, and you know, like, and you can have that instant tomorrow. And so a lot of people will come to me and they want that sort of expectation out of SEO. And I have, I have to explain to them that SEO is a long-term investment. It's a long-term game. Your business is going to be around for more than two years moving forward. At least you hope it is. If you're not, SEO might not be the right place for you because you need quicker hits. Um, but if you're, I mean, if you're going to be around for two years, the tactics that we use, the strategy that we use benefits you moving forward. There's no gimmicky quick hits and you're going to get in trouble by Google or Bing or anything like that. It's just very um, slow and steady wins the race, if you will, of, you know, we, we build in links, we build in good quality content that you'll be able to use on social media and in your email marketing and on your campaigns moving forward forever. Um, because it has proven to have positive results in the marketplace. So all that being said, what type of clients do we work with? Um, well, we're working with one that uh, is a business-to-business -business, um, alloy. They, they Metal alloys is what they're in the business of, and copper forging. So nothing really sexy about that. Um, you know, as is true for most business to business, but, you know, we'll just say that some of their clients are NASA and SpaceX. So there are some fun things that we can run, write about there. And what they, what we do is we produce a blog post for them every month. That's about 2000 words or maybe longer. Um, but the difference in just, we don't just produce content. We go and research what has received a lot of backlinks in the market prior to this. And then we write a better article than that. So we take that basic idea, like say for example, um, here's a highlight of the 10 suppliers for SpaceX uh, and why we chose them. We will write, here's the 20 suppliers for NASA and why NASA chooses them. And, uh, and then we'll have better sources and better scientific quotes and more videos and that sort of thing. And so it's just like, great article that's already proven that people want to link to uh, we'll produce that for our client they'll publish it on their blog and then we acquire by reaching out to people who link to the previous article we acquire backlinks to that new article on our client site and so 
you know, as you build this and you look at your competition, you can basically say, well, how many backlinks do we have? How many referring domains do we have compared to our competition? And referring domains are beautiful because if you build them right, like we do, they're not temporary, they're not fishy, they don't go away. Um, but it's also one of the most difficult things to do in SEO. And that's why we found that, hey, if we can do this right, which we've been able to do over the last year, um, that you know, it's just going to work. And it works for just about every single business out there. That's interesting. So it's interesting. Um, as a VP of marketing, right? And I always mm-hmm. struggle with the, the link building, right? Like I, it's so important. And it's so powerful yeah. when it's legitimate, but there's so much like, I'll link to you if you yeah. link to me, right? And you're like, um, uh-huh. no. <laughs> uh-huh. Or you see those uh-huh. blog posts where like every word is a link, right? Like you're like, yeah. I-, I don't need the definition of dictionary. I got this, right? Like we don't, those aren't <laughs> useful links to me. And so I really struggle with the right balance of that. And so I don't, what would you tell people? Well, First of all, like when it comes down to it, there's 200 factors in the Google algorithm, as best we can tell, because Google doesn't tell us this, but you know, there's 200 factors from what people have reverse engineered. And if you look at that, you go, wow, 200 things I got each page. No, that's not really true. I mean, you know, some of them are by domain and, and all kinds of crazy little technical details. Like, here's a freebie for you. If you're registering your domain and renewing it every year, that sends a signal to Google that you're not willing to invest Mm, in your business. Interesting. And so renew your domain for 10 years. It's not that big of an investment, but Google checks DNS registration and sees that, hey, you're planning on being around for the next 10 years. That sends a positive signal to Google that you're a legitimate company. So like there's all kinds of little things in these 200 bits of the algorithm. But if you break it down, there's three buckets that these all fall into. One is content, one is links or authority signals, and the other is code and structure. And if you look at those three buckets and we were to weight them or give them some sort of percentage on how important each of those three buckets are, to determining your rank, um, content and authority or backlinks are each 45%. Mm. And the technical and structure is 10%. The funny thing is most SEOs out there will talk to you all day long about the technical aspects of it. And we found, and we did that too for, you know, as a business, we did that for six years and it doesn't move the needle. Like that's the trick. Like, yeah, you can optimize your code until you're blue in the face, but you're not going to rise up to page one just because you have clean code. So we reconfigured ourselves and said, okay, how can we produce high quality links that aren't spammy and questionable and, and struggle and game the system? Because of those three buckets, the place where all the the black hat SEO stuff, where all the, the troublesome, where you can get caught and get in trouble, all of that happens in the link bucket because it's really easy to come up with good content. It, you know, I mean, yeah, you can come up with bad content, but that's, you know, whatever, that's your choice. So we tried to figure out how can we come up with really high quality links that are reproducible, 
And the skyscraper technique is not something that I came up with. It is a um, technique that Brian Dean from Backlinko first published a case study on. And he's like, this is how I did it. How he did it was he found an article that was in the SEO arena because he that his business is around search engine optimization. He found an article, namely that 200 ranking uh, factors article. And, uh, and it, was, it was awful, it was atrocious. You had to click through so many pages, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it was the only article out there that listed all 200. And so everybody linked to it. So what he did is he rewrote the article, made it visually appealing, made it, give it a really good table of contents, sorted, organized it, gave tools of how to fix each one of these and all this. So like made this really incredible resource. And then he reached out to everybody who linked to the previous article and said, check it out. I've got a way better resource. You should switch your link. And that's the basic fundamental of Skyscraper is find something in that appeals to your target audience that people have already linked to that already has all the authority, but that's miserable. That's awful. That's really old. That, you know, it's a listicle that you have to click next to get through all 14 pages to read each one. And we all hate those, but people link to them when they're writing a blog post about something. And so it's like, if we just, you know, pay, reach out to that blog author or to that website owner and say, hey, I know you're linking over to this article and it really supports your, you know, blog post or whatever it is that's on your page, but we have a better higher quality piece of content that we feel would provide more benefit for your audience. And that's the key. Asking someone to do something for you, they instantly, their radar trips and they go, wait, this is just a selfish thing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're trying to spam something. And instead we say, listen, this is better for your audience. We actually put the effort in to create something that is valuable to your audience, that's better than what you've already used. And we think you should switch. We'd be happy if you do. And what we're looking at is we send out anywhere, depending on the article quality, because sometimes you write about something that you thought was going to work and sometimes it doesn't. So depending on the article quality, we will send anywhere from 200 to 1,000 emails to acquire one referring domain. Wow. So you have to ask that many times to be able to get one in. And a lot of them show interest and they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a much better article. And you're like, great, are you going to go to the work of changing the link? And then they stop responding. So it's just, you know, you can do everything you can to show people, you know, you can bring a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. You can do everything you can to show people this is better quality content, but sometimes they just, they agree with you but they don't want to go through the work of changing the link or adding a new link. So I say all that to say, you know, set some realistic expectations. Mm. Brian Dean blew it out of the water because, you know, it's all SEOs he was reaching out to right. and they're trying to teach their audience and they're like, oh yeah, well, this is way better. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to Brian's stuff. And that's how he rose to fame. Um, you know, in our case, there's not that many like skyscraper potentials out there for every industry. And so what we've found is that if we can acquire 10, he got like two to 300 referring domains on that one article, but he worked on it for eight months. We're doing one a month and acquiring 10 every month. So by the time we get to eight months, you know, we've got 80 new referring domains and 
it's amazing to watch Google see that trajectory and it just it rewards it because you start ranking higher than your competition who has more referring domains because Google sees you on a positive trajectory. And so it's really it's really fun to watch that growth. Well, and that's encouraging too because even if your competitor has a lot of links, you're not like, well, you know, geez, it's done until I can pass that number of links from what you just said. It's also as I as I grow, it's that forward movement, it's that I'm on the right path that I'll get higher ranking even before I get the total number. And that's that's just it. I mean, you know, you can optimize everything else and still not, you know, show up. But until Google starts seeing that positive trajectory and they really look for a trajectory, it's something that people don't talk about that often. But are you moving? Are you growing? Are you continuing to produce content? Or is this just a static sure website? And so that, I, you know, I really try to help people understand that you have, especially in the business to business arena, you have a static brochure website and then you have a blog because there's only so much you can say about the services that you offer or your contact information or your products and it's like now you need to write a blog and there's lots of really good examples out there um, one of my favorites is actually the zapier blog um, they write about all kinds of incredible things and i read their articles because you know how many of those emails that you subscribe to do you actually read this one i do and it's because they they know me as their audience and they write incredible content that doesn't pitch zapier today's content was about which email clients are the best to use on your laptop and on your mobile device and it was just like that's fantastic because i want to optimize my time and use the right email client that works best for me and so like those different things you know as a business to business because that's what zapier is they're trying to figure out what matters to their audience and then writing incredible content about that. So I say that to businesses all the time. Listen, you have an audience, they're human, they care about things more than just your products. So what can you write that's really engaging to them that they're going to care about? Well, and that's just, you know, I, I think it's good content. The concepts of what make good content are very obvious and very easy. I think the actually making the big, the good content is harder sometimes than, it, than you think it would be. To your point you talked about, you think you're going to have this great topic, end of the day when it's done, you're like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, and it's just time consuming, right? And, and I think that's one of the, the things that with the SEO, um, one of the reasons that companies don't spend as much time in it is it um, is just a resource constraint, right? We talk about what it takes yeah. to write big content. And then, you know, when you said that it's 200 to 1,000 requests for one link, you're just like, oi, is that really worth it? And do you see mm -hmm. when you guys get even the 1 to 10 links a month, do you do you see, like, the the – results of that are really very strong like what kind of movement can people get from that that sounds overwhelming well, <laughs> um, it is overwhelming and that's why that's why we systematized it because we realized that there's just you know we tried it for one of our clients initially and we were just like everybody all hands on deck for an entire month on that one client and it was like this is insane. There's no way we can justify this. There's no way anybody 
in their right mind could actually do this as a business themselves. And, um, and so that's when I knew that we were onto something because it worked, but it was extremely difficult and overwhelming. And so, um, yeah, there's a couple of tools out there that we use and, you know, just really good systems, really good writing, really persuasive emails and really good, um, content. Like that's the key is you can match the content to the pitch. Uh, you're going to be much better off. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is when, you know, like how long does it take to take an effect or what sort of results do you see from this? You know, if you can acquire 10 referring domains this month, it'll take about three months until you start seeing some movement in Google because Google delays things just a little bit when they're giving rewards. They're instant when they give penalties and they, they delay when they give rewards. So like um, I don't know. I was going to say, you know, think about your parents and if you have a good experience, then don't think about them. If you had a normal experience, think about them. Um, so that's like that. We try to explain that to people that it takes three to six months to see the full effect of what it is that you do this month within your Google rankings. Uh, if you're doing it appropriately, if you're spamming something, sure, you'll rise quickly but then you'll, the penalty hammer will hit at some point in the future and you'll lose and that won't be any fun. So I'd rather build things, you know, more naturally, more organically, more, um, sustainably, but, uh, just in a way that's going to be more effective. And so, um, like I said, it'll take about three months to see the movement on your first 10 referring domains um, or to see the results of that. And then by that time, most of our clients work with us on a monthly basis. Some, some are doing two to three, sometimes four a month, four articles a month. And so they'll see significant growth. But, you know, by the time you get to that third month, you've built essentially three or 30 domains, new referring domains. And so you see a little bit of movement and then you see a more movement and then it starts, I don't want to say like, we can't ever promise anything, but everything that we've seen with every client that we've worked with, when we've worked with them for six months, um, by, by the end of the six months, they're on page one for their, you know, whatever challenging keyword they came to us with. And then, um, you know, it might take another six months to get them up to spot one, but we've had quite a few clients that have moved up to their spot one for their, what I call their money keyword, but it's the thing that brings in the most amount of sales and they're competing with, you know, the big name competitors out there, um, and, and doing just fine. All right, Paul, we have talked about a lot of different things, uh, but if you were to pick two things that you wanted people to do differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would that be? One thing is before you sit down and, well, okay, two things. First thing, write content. Either hire somebody to do it or sit down and write it. You have to be publishing new content on your blog. So many B2Bs don't do that, and that's the first thing. And if... And it's so difficult for you to do it. Um, I know it's difficult for me to do it as a business owner. And so hire it done. You can find lots of ways to make it happen. Go through the work of finding the right person to ghostwrite for you on your behalf to learn your market and write. Because you can't succeed unless you're producing high-quality content that matters to your audience. The second thing that I would recommend you do tomorrow is find out what content does matter to your audience 
that people have already linked to. So a lot of times it'll be on Huffington Post or CNN or medium.com or something like this where people are talking about this content because it applies to your target audience. And so you need to find that and start writing content similar to that or better than that. So write your own content and then be very aware of what is working out there in the market today to make sure that on those topics you have great content as well. Yep. And I can guarantee the content that's working today is not how great your product is. So no. um, you're, you're going to have to you're going to have to write something different than that. All right. Well, Paul, this was great. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, if you want more on this, we have an actual ebook that lists out all the steps. If you want to actually try doing Skyscraper yourself, I know it might seem a little overwhelming, but we have it laid out in a nice uh, workflow with example templates and all that. Just head over to connectsdigitalmarketing.com. You'll get a pop-up, put your name and email in, and you'll get the download right there. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Paul. It was a pleasure to have you on. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.